Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan. They camped before crossing over. And after three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between, the, uh, between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the ark of the covenant, and pass on ahead of the people. And so they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin, begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Levites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, and as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord of all the earth set foot on the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now Jordan is in flood stage all during harvest. Yet as, yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet, feet touched the edge of the water, the water from upstream stopped flowing, piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zerathan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that's the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of Jordan, and stood on dry ground, and all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing on dry ground. We depend on God. It's already been stressed. One of your uh, fundamental premises, the basis upon which the fellowship here has been built. It's a truism. In fact, already... This morning, Gillian and others have referred to this. It's a no-brainer. Even if you don't believe it, it's true. We depend on God. And the cynic in me really wanted to say, you bet you do. But I want to say some more. You depend on God. More than I depend on God, we depend on God more than we we ever realize. I, I don't need to persuade you that you depend on God. You know it full well. It's the topic I was given. 
I don't need to explain it to you. This is a congregation of intelligent people, and you understand the meaning of dependence. There's no need for me to expound and develop that. But this week, in preparation for this, I sought to personalize it. I wanted to, you know, endeavor to get into the subject personally. Not just drumming up some sort of a sermon. And so in my room with no one there and the door shut in an attitude of prayer, I said over and over again, I depend on God. I depend on God. I want to let it sink in. I depend on God for my next breath. Sometimes I don't realize that. I depend on God for getting out of bed every morning. I I, I depend on God as the guarantor of my salvation. I depend on God, I said, for Sunday morning in Grace Fellowship. God, help me. I depend on you. I depend on you for just about everything. And yes, you know, God has extended to us the freedom to make choices on many issues, but... Don't we still depend on him for the, the wisdom to make the right choices and for his intervention when we don't? So I, I, we all know it if we're honest with ourselves and certainly the teaching and all of the background to this fellowship of which I know a little has underscored this truth. We depend on God. But what difference does it make? That's, the, that's where I, I, I want to go this morning. That's why I, I was searching the Scriptures. What difference does it make to, to you and to me and to Grace Fellowship that we depend on God? What difference does it make? How will the people of Balanahinch and your neighbors see that you depend on God? How will they detect that? And that's what I was crying, God help me. This is what David and others had in mind when they asked me to speak, to, to, to develop this in a sense that would be practical. And so I went to recorded situations in the Word of God where dependence upon him was so clearly evident and looked for clues as to how we should react in order to demonstrate our dependence upon God. The nation of Israel at the Red Sea, you know it. There is this barrier before them and the armies of Egypt coming behind, the very dust of their chariots could be seen in the distance, the rumbling thud or noise of the oncoming army. Here is a situation of total dependence. What are we to do? And what were they called to do? Nothing. Nothing. Totally nothing. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. So there are times... Not every time, but there are times when that's the right thing to do. To do nothing. I have great respect for 
the wisdom and good sense of David McComb. And we were talking recently about other things. And David said to me, you know, Haddon, in business management, there are times when the right decision is to do nothing. It's the correct thing to do, to do nothing. To let the hair sit, as an old man in, in uh, Hamilton Road used to say. Of course, this requires discernment. Pray for yourselves and pray for your, your leaders that they will know when there are times when God is saying, just sit and wait. Do nothing. But another great story of dependence is the one that, well, no, there's another on my mind here. The, 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 the time Israel, you remember, with Joshua were fighting against the Amalekites, and the Amalekites were a pain in the neck. They, you, you know, they were a constant trouble to Israel. So much so that on one occasion Abraham asked God to get rid of the Amalekites. And God said, you know, the wickedness of the Amalekites has not yet reached its full measure. You have more to see. But there was that occasion when the armies of Israel under Joshua's command were facing the Amalekites in the valley at Rephidim. And you'll remember this time God said, Moses on the mountain. And let him hold up his hands in prayer. And let the people know where their dependence is. Moses will be a visual aid to that. In fact, as his hands lowered, you'll remember, the Amalekites began to be successful in the battle. So much so that Aaron and her had to get a stone for Moses to sit on. And on either side, they held his hands up. He was old, he was weak, he was frail. But Israel needed to know that there was God on whom they were being depended upon, being interceded upon on their behalf. They knew where their strength was. On that occasion, the call was to fervent prayer. I wonder, is that where Psalm 121 really has its source? I to the hills will lift mine eyes. From whence does my help come? Israel knew it comes from the Lord. The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So sometimes when God knows that we are aware of our dependence upon him, he says, just stand still, do nothing. Watch and see what I will do. And at other times he calls us to fervent prayer. But as I really, I knew those things were relevant. And hence I'm passing them on to you. But I thought, Lord, that's not where you want me to go on Sunday morning, particularly and I gravitated towards that other incident which we read together earlier. When the children of Israel were in a situation again where their dependence upon God was very pressing, the faith community utterly and obviously dependent upon God, and their leaders had the mind of God as to what they were to do. What lessons do we learn from this on this occasion? I mean, I hope you try to get your mind and your... I hope you let your imagination run and try to get into these Bible stories when you're reading them. I think I have an overactive imagination. Betty would tell me that. But I do try to get into these stories. But try and, try and picture it. There, there is Canaan in sight across the river. But the river's in spate. It's flowing heavily. And they can see their goal, but... There are thousands of families here involved. Young, young children. 
some sick, livestock, tons of baggage, carts that need repair because they've had months of neglect coming across difficult desert land. And I wonder, were they mindful of the Red Sea incident? And wondered, was this another situation where we, we, we just wait and do nothing? No Moses now. No Moses to hold the rod of God over the sea as he had done before. I don't want, I don't want to spiritualize this too much. But I wonder, is there a Jordan in your life right now? Rab shared that with us, a Jordan in his life, a, 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 a health difficulty, a depression difficulty that's very real, as real as a broken arm, and that, that, that he's, he, he wants help with it. He's dependent on God to overcome, and the situation here, as I say, is there a Jordan? A Jordan in your personal life, a Jordan in the life of Grace Fellowship, David? You know these things. A rare interview I was reading that was given by that great Scottish missionary explorer, David Livingstone, when he was asked, David, where are you going next? And he gave a wonderful answer. I don't know, I don't care as long as it's forward. Forward. But sometimes even to go forward, there are obstacles in the way. There are Jordans there. Of course we want to go forward. Grace Fellowship wants to go forward. Israel wanted to go forward. But when I read this story, I find this, that three full days, they were kept just looking at the problem. Three full days. Three full days in order to allow worship to become heartfelt, for dependence upon God to become so real that their cries rose up to heaven to the very heart of God. Three days to look at the problem. And sometimes God does that. Sometimes God does that. You know, don't despair. Sometimes God's delays are so strict. Well, always his delays are strategic. You're looking at the problem. And what he wants us to do is get to that point where our dependence upon him is wholly acknowledged. And it's in our acknowledged weakness that he can demonstrate his strength. And believe me, that's his objective all along. But as Israel took those three days to reflect on their dependence, they were asked to do something else which has troubled me. Troubled me in that I have had great difficulty coming to an understanding of it this morning. I've shared it with several folk that I know and love in the Lord, and we've talked about it, prayed about it. But I believe that God said to Israel through the leaders through Joshua. He gave them an instruction which I believe he gives to me and to you this morning. He says, consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. Lord, what does that mean? I cried out, what does it mean? I know what consecrate means, but 
what does it mean? And I came to the essential conclusion that it really remains this. Remember who you are. God is saying to you, Grace Fellowship, and those who are visiting this morning, how wonderful it is to see visitors. Consecrate yourselves. Remember who you are. If you're trusting Jesus this morning, you are children of the Most High God. Wow, remember who you are. You're set apart. You're a holy nation. Have you forgotten? Had Israel forgotten who they were? You remember when God rested on the Sabbath day, he said it's holy. He declared it to be holy. That's the fact. It is holy. But then he added, remember to keep it holy. And God would say to his children this morning, you are holy, you're set apart, you're children of the Most High God, you're special to me. Now keep remembering it. Because in your dependence upon me, sanctify yourselves, recognize yourselves as sacred, set apart. Have you forgotten, Israel? Have you forgotten? Is there a danger? You've forgotten, Grace Fellowship. Sanctify yourselves. And so it is with every child of God and every body of believers. God comes along and he said, okay, you're depending on me, that's wonderful. But remember this, remember who you are. I delight in you. I have set the seal of my Holy Spirit within you. Remember who you are. Consecrate yourselves. Remember that you're holy. Consecrate yourselves, says Joshua, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. I want that to be a prophecy for grace fellowship. Sanctify yourselves. Realize who you are, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Don't forget who you are. The Ark of the Covenant was the symbol of the presence of Jehovah. You know that. Joshua said, keep your eyes on the ark. Only a symbol. But they knew it stood for the presence of the Lord God Almighty. Keep your eyes on the ark. You depend on God. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him. And do you remember, you know, it, it, the story fascinates me. It's a simple story, but where... Did it lead him? You see, following God in dependence upon him may take you into the strangest territory. Be prepared for that. Well, you can't prepare for the unknown, but you know what I mean? Don't be shocked when God takes you somewhere that you didn't expect to be. If you're depending on God, then you follow him, the children of Israel. And where did it take? here was the obstacle that they'd had three days to look at. 
And the priests carrying the ark, they don't turn around to go some circuitous route and look for a, a ford or a bridge. They just head straight for the river. I better be careful. Okay, sorry, David. I'll stay at one place. Betty's nervous. I'm showing off. I didn't bring my stick up. Right to the river's edge. But it was only as the faithful priests took that step of faith onto the very water against all logic, all human reasoning. It was only then that God stopped the waters upstream and those downstream flowed into the sea below and dry land appeared. And the ark was taken right into the middle of Jordan. Where did God take them? Right into the very center of the thing they feared most. He brings them right into it to demonstrate his authority. Right into it. In the middle of Jordan. And they passed by. They're in the place of trouble it would seem. But what is our God? An ever present help in trouble. Rab's discovering that. Jude discovering it. God doesn't always take, it, take us out of it. But he proves himself in it. Thank God he does often take us out of it. But he proves himself in it. And the children of Israel, you know what they did? And they do a wonderful thing. Get 12 men, one from each tribe, to get a great boulder from the middle of that river, right from the very center of the thing you feared most, carry it over to the other side and build up a monument. A monument from the very thing you feared most that will show that your dependence upon me was very well. You know, our greatest victories come from overcoming through dependence upon God our greatest fears. And there was that monument, and mustn't it have been wonderful for fathers to tell their children, oh, boys and girls, if you'd been here, if you'd been here, and they see those stones, they come from that river, right from the middle of it, right from the middle of it. We carried them over here and we built up this monument. A testimony to our dependable God. We depend on God. You know, Grace Fellowship, and I love you. And I love coming here. And there's so many people here whose stories I know. And thank God for what I've learned through you. And with you. But we are citizens of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We're citizens of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We're dependent upon a God whose counsel ultimately cannot be countermanded. The Lord God Almighty. And he has chosen you. He has chosen you. He's brought you into his kingdom. He wants to share eternity with you. Consecrate yourselves. Remember who you are. You're not some distant relative. You're children of the Most High. Remember who you are. 
And this morning he says to you in very simple language, through an inadequate preacher, trust me. Just trust me. You depend on me, then trust me. I love you. I treasure you. I sat in the councils of eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this triune God. And we knew that when we made you and gave you freedom, you'd abuse it. But we didn't want automatons who were just designed and programmed to worship us. We wanted those who would choose freely to love us. And you have turned away from your own efforts. You've realized that you cannot stand in my presence in your own merits. And you've trusted my son You're special. That's what God is saying to you this morning. You're special. I love you. When we sat down in the councils of the Godhead, we worked out a mechanism whereby you could be forgiven, and I sent my son. And I'll admit, I'm just leading up to communion now. I don't want it to be some separate issue. I want it to be part of our morning service. sent my son to die for you. Because do you know something? There is nowhere that we are going to demonstrate our dependence upon God more than as we take the bread and the wine and we say, Lord, I couldn't do it myself. But Jesus did it for me. And his body was broken and his blood was shed because of my sin. I depend on you, God. I'm going to stand in heaven with you on the basis of what you did in Christ. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you, gracious Holy Spirit, for opening my understanding and showing me my need and drawing me to him. Oh, I want us to be practical in our demonstration of dependence. But this is one of the places we start. You know... If you're not a believer this morning, can I, can, I, can I say something to you? And I don't want in any way to come on heavy. But I want to say this. When we break bread together, will you be clear on this? We're not saying we're any better than you are. We're saying the very opposite. We're saying we're inadequate, Lord. We're just sinful people who mess up. But we're depending on you for everything, and that includes our eternal salvation. And we're depending on what Jesus did. So if you don't know Jesus, don't be embarrassed. But wouldn't it be wonderful? Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful? If this morning, this little memorial ceremony became the mechanism whereby you acknowledged your dependence upon God and said, Lord, I hadn't seen it clearly before, but I want to be part 
of what Jesus has won. I want to take my share of that. I'm going to take bread and wine for the first time, but I'm going to do it in acknowledging my repentance and my faith and my grasp on what Jesus has done. I'm looking up at that cross and I'm realizing for the first time he died for me, not just for these other people around me, but for me. We depend on God. Would the servers join me? I, I, I have not had communion and grace before, but I'm totally relaxed, okay? Because I, I know that's the nature of this place. But could those who are going to serve come up and, and join us? Don't be uncomfortable, by the way. If for any reason you feel, no, I, I'm not ready for this, don't be embarrassed. Just let the bread and the wine pass. But you know, this was never meant to be some sort of a secret thing. This was meant to be done in demonstration of the gospel. So, on the night that Jesus Christ was betrayed, the Bible tells me he took bread. It's already broken here, but he broke it. This is my body, he said, which is broken for you. Take and eat. Can we do that? Can we remember as, as, we, as we do it that his body, and it's been referred to this morning already, crown of Palestinian thorns, two-inch long thorns, woven, no doubt with leather gloves on when they wove it, and then put on the head of Jesus to draw blood and just for mockery. His back lacerated by the lictor's thongs, carrying a cross that would be hard to carry for a healthy man, but a broken man whipped and tortured, body broken. Lord, deliver us from just going through the mechanism of taking bread and wine. But help us to sit by faith upon the cross and see one high and lifted there, blooded in agony, hands and feet nailed to a cross. And help us to acknowledge, I depend on you, Lord. Oh, I depend on you. So let's take bread together.